silly yeah. stuff. You know, every now and then silly stuff uh, catches you up. And I'm um, spent. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. About three and a half, going on four hours, tr- including traveling to a Citibank, trying to get the proper uh, sign-ins and uh, and codes that I need to uh, access my app on my phone for the city uh, business mobile app. It was a huge thing. I mean, it was absolutely no getting it from the folks online. I had to go down to the bank and wait and talk to the guy and he helped me out, but it doesn't really work out that well. And uh, and then I had to call him back. And then it it was really like uh, just truly uh, a a uphill Sisyphusian struggle, but (laughs) I did get it. So there was that. There's the other thing that happened is that the window on the uh, on the VW Passat, uh, the driver's side window won't go up, and that's and I was doing some studying on YouTube as to how to fix that. It's not a terrible thing, not a big problem, but I had to like uh, basically go to school and 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 learn how to fix it. So I've got a guy coming over to help me and make sure because I'm not mechanically gifted and I'm always getting things wrong but at least I have a working idea of what's wrong so it's not that bad is it an electric window yes it's a power window oh it would um who do you know anybody that has um, manual no but I I kind of wish that they still had those or at least had the option it's awfully confident of them just to make cars thinking that oh nothing will ever go wrong that you don't need to roll your window down well, um, this does not. This is uh, totally automatic, and it's and all the others are fine. It just happens to be a relatively small thing. Um, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world. I can I can figure it out. I will figure it out sometime tomorrow. Yeah. This prior to going to uh, to Ontario, Canada, and it's called Grand Bend on Lake Huron, which I've never been to. So. Oh, when is that happening again? Tuesday morning. 6 a.m. train from Wilton to New York and then the 7 subway to uh, an area near LaGuardia. Then you got to grab a cab from there to LaGuardia and it's like a whole thing. So. Um, yeah. Well, that's going to be fun. It's always nice to go on trips, right? Uh, yeah, and I've never seen the city of Detroit ever. Have you, have you ever been there for any reason? Uh, no. No. And there's a, uh, I mean, it's it's not the most uh, appealing city as far as people who are looking to take exciting adventures during the summer. It's known as a kind of a problematic city, along with Chicago, of course. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see it. I've never, I've never been there. And uh, it's going to be fun. I got to take one, I'm going to take one of these buses that goes from Detroit to London, Ontario. And that'll be kind of fun. I've got I bought two seats on the bus, uh, so there's room for me and my computer. And uh, you know, it's got Wi-Fi on the bus. Mm. Kind of fun, you know. So it's like an interesting adventure. Anyway, I was list- uh, watching. By the way, I was uh, a very pleasing, uh, uh, very angry uh, critical drinker on Barbie. <laughs> I don't think I finished the whole thing, but. Um... I watched the first part of it. I haven't finished it yet. I've been busy all day too. But um, 
that was quite a quite a review there from Critical Drinker. I, I listened to Ben Shapiro's too, and it was it was you know it was another rant, but it wasn't as good as Critical Drinker. Well, yeah, because I don't think it's fair. Um, you know, I mean, I think you agree with me that I don't think it's fair to just say it. It's misandrist and despises men and belittles the whole thing, and it really poisons the well, poisons the lake, um, because it is despite all that rather ugly element in it it's 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 well put together it's clever it's it's fast it's uh, it's got energy it has a tone that it sticks to uh forget the content just from the on the the chops alone and the and the vigor that is uh part of the all the performances it's you know it's hard to as you no doubt understand and i i understand a little bit you have to make a movie with this with with a kind of a consistency uh, that say Vincent Van Gogh gave to his paintings. You could see that Van Gogh energy in every single one of his brushstrokes. Well, that same thing has to be uh, evident in a film. And uh, there, this has definitely got the Barbie brushstrokes going from the beginning to the end. That's again sidestepping and ignoring the content, but just the chops are pretty good, and the humor is pretty good. So. Well, um, I just sent you a uh, a little text. That was me texting you that ding that you got. Oh yeah. Um, of this YouTube site called The Awards Contender. I don't know who this is. I mean, we might know this person, but they're okay. just calling themselves The Awards Contender. And his headline, Barbie is Pure Bliss. Okay. Well, there's, uh, I mean, you know, most of the, the whores out there are going to double over an exchange and talk about how great it is. And some women critics are going to say it's, it's, you know, it's saying a really heartfelt thing that a lot of women and younger women will relate to. But you know what I'm with their with their life. They're all they're whores. They 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 do. Well, they I don't, don't think I actually don't think this guy is a whore. I think this guy is. I think Barbie is. You can't be pure blissful about this movie. Come on. Yes. If you're a gay man, you can, because to them, this is a coming out party. Barbie oh. is all gay. And, yeah. and, and we knew that going in, but. I think for them and and like as you say for it's basically dude it's just it's an obelisk of woke <laughs> to quote senator tom cotton yeah. i know he's a conservative but it's still funny when he said obelisk of woke because that's really what it is but that said i think you can hold both ideas in your head at the same time i can anyway i can understand what critical drinker is saying and and agree with him but I can also not hate the movie and have a good time with it and enjoy laughing at some of the lines and Basically, my vibe that I got from it was Greta Gerwig trying to show that she's an artist still working mm -hmm. within the confines of this very corporatized, obvious ploy to rebrand. And she didn't want to be used that way. So she needed to insert and assert herself and her personality and her ideas. Hello. I'm sorry. Accident. Sorry you know, insert and assert her ideas into the movie so that people didn't forget that it was a Greta Gerwig movie. And that's fine. I mean, the, the best parts probably are the Greta Gerwig parts where she her lines come through or his lines or whoever wrote the funniest lines in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter loved the America Ferrera monologue because that's exactly how she felt. And I had to tell her, look, dude, that only lasts when you're young. As a young woman, all of that is true. As a young woman, men do look at you and they treat you a certain way. They play guitars for you. They woo you. It's basically like pigeons. You know how pigeons, the male pigeon goes around the young female pigeon? And I say, look, that just pretty much goes away when you get older. 
<laughs> so that's, you know, don't stress about it too much. But she really appreciated that monologue a lot. I found it to be not in keeping with the rest of the movie in any way. I found it to be pandering to the feminists uh, and didn't belong in a Barbie movie personally. But I find I have more criticisms of Barbie than I have praise. But the bottom line is that I think it's her best movie. I think it's Greta Gerwig's best movie. I think it shows real talent as a director as opposed to what I saw with her other two movies, which I didn't think were all that great. And they were overpraised. I loved um, um the, I know you did. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I thought that the thing she made with uh, Noah, um, you know, the black and white film, uh, um, 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 you know, it'll come yeah, back. Yeah, Francis you know. Ha. Huh? Francis Ha. Yeah, I thought that was pretty damn good. Yeah, and but pretty, the... pretty damn good isn't earth shattering. And my problem was they treated her movies like they were earth shattering. And I always found that condescending because it always seemed like that's really the best they think women can do. And that's why they're praising it. However, with this movie, I saw what I think is real talent and real ability. And I think she's good. And this is the first time that I've seen uh, her director's eye her style. I don't, I don't concur with that at all. I've, I felt it all the way through. And I think that I saw it definitely in, in, uh, in, um, Lady, Lady Bird, Lady, you know, and I, I, I just thought it was, uh, I hated that movie. Oh, <laughs> I did. I mean, I thought it was fine, but it was just, again, all these movies have the exact same theme. If you notice, mm -hmm. they all have, well, I mean this, they all have mothers and daughters. Yeah. They all have fiery young women forging their own path. Yeah. And they all have that monologue. They all have awkward females. They're all the same women in her movies. All the protagonists, even Barbie manages to somehow become a Greta Gerwig character. Well, don't you think that the America Ferrara um, um, monologue, the, it, it, which is pretty, pretty well written, and it's certainly a high moment. It's the, essentially, it's roughly the same uh, idea that we got from Laura Dern in Marriage Story, yep. right? And, and Saoirse Ronan in Little Women, and yeah. I'm sure there's one in Lady Bird somewhere. Lady Bird, I, yeah, I mean, Lady Bird was probably acting-wise, I think, and, and maybe writing-wise, like, you know, her best prior to Barbie, but I think Barbie takes her to, in my opinion, to a different level. Mm. She's not just an indie director who can make relationship movies. She's somebody who can be visually strong and have those wonderful set pieces like she had. And, and you know, and engage in subversion, subversive, funny humor. And they let her do it. And so, you know, Barbie is better than it should be. You know, it really... But I understand where... Critical what do you mean better than it should be? I mean, it's as good as she was able to make it. It's better than it should be being a Barbie commercial is what I mean. Okay. It's like a step above what it is, which is just a rebrand for Barbie. But there's so much artfulness in it that if she hadn't already become famous as a director, she would be famous for this, I think. And, and if you were, uh, say, you had a four or five-year-old, six-year-old girl, and uh, you, would you take her to it and say, okay, here we go. This is this is what, you know, life is. You know, most men are are no submental, immature. Well, you asshole. can't you can't ask me that because when my daughter was growing up and she was six, it just there wasn't a great awakening. We hadn't reversed the hierarchy. Yeah. And the reverse hierarchy came because when my daughter was young, all the movies, most of them were about men. 
they were about the one special boy and I took my daughter to see these movies and every single one had a man at the center or a boy at the center and after the great awakening they changed that they just decided arbitrarily whether or not people would pay to see it whether or not people wanted to see it um, that they were going to start making women at the center and the thing is is like okay fine but you can't just you know subvert reality on top of that which is what they also do and unfortunately in so doing they rob uh, the film even Barbie of authenticity because if you notice all of the stories with all of the women had to end exactly the same way they all had an upward trajectory of had happy ending because that's the only way they can tell stories for marginalized people in a movie like this none of them can be complex None of them can be failures. None of them can be laughed at, except in the way that they want to be laughed at. Yeah. Whereas all the men, everybody's making fun of them the whole time and laughing at them and mock- and that's why they're better characters. They're more interesting. They're more memorable. I couldn't they're tell fools, you, Sasha. They're foolish assholes with with only the you know they're just full of testosterone. They have no particular plateau of maturity. Nothing. They're just complete. Rage well, the, the the heterosexual men in the real world, yes, the gay Barbies, the Kens, um, have complexity and characters that you remember. You don't remember any of the women beyond the girl in the wheelchair, the black girl, the trans girl, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't have any other meaning beyond their category that they fall into just to represent, be representative. But what mm-hmm. I really didn't like about the movie Mm. was the manipulative ending that I think Greta Gerwig is better than that she she shouldn't have written in, which is that she betrayed her, sold out her own protagonist um, when she had Barbie totally collapse and step back so that all the marginalized groups could save themselves because she didn't want to be accused of being a white savior, even though she has that joke in the movie, white savior oh. Barbie. But they deliberately made it so that it wasn't white savior Barbie. But in so doing they fucked up that um they messed up the narrative because barbie's the star of the movie you're going to see the movie because she's the star and all they did the whole time was was dump on her you know blame her for everything blame her for everybody's low self-esteem for the too high standards um until she's this mushy mess and and basically leaves the narrative and then eventually leaves barbie world to become a human um, just the, the, it was like self-hating Barbie is what she was. She was self-hating Barbie. And I thought that, um, that that's a sad thing for, for little girls to have to go see. Because everybody who's white already feels guilty enough that they can't even enjoy Barbie because it's too white supremacist to even enjoy it. Or the, the, the f- female standards of a pretty blonde. You're talking the, the talk, uh, just like Greta Gerwig and her, and her set talks, you know, that... If you are white, you are inherently suspected of being a, a white supremacist-minded person. You know, you're saying all the stuff that they probably say to each other, but you're and you're and you're going along with it. I mean, I'm not I, going along with it. I'm saying that that's the message of the movie that they're assuming everybody believes that, and that. But I don't think that they do. Only unless you're a woke person do you think that. But after 2020. That was the idea, right? You never saw like a white person without a black person. Yeah. The right. Hollywood and TV, they, they just kept mixing 
black and white people together and constantly putting people of color in front of them as shields, you know, to show and, that and they're the not racist. That in the in the far away past also. Uh, that's what the presentism, presentism wave is about. Um, yeah, but it's the problem with it's so glaringly obvious and everything. It doesn't feel authentic. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that is the now the going narrative that nobody is allowed to depart from, except oh. when they do. And they did depart from it in, you know, some movies. Oppenheimer is one of them where they, it's just not woke at all. It doesn't exist in that universe at all. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, actually you told the history of the Manhattan Project and that and that time period, mid 40s, 30s, really 30s, 40s up until the mid 50s. He actually portrayed it with uh, with accuracy, which is a, which is almost unheard of today. Almost unheard of and shocking that it even got made considering. Yeah. Because he doesn't, it's not woked up at all. And he uh, we're just really wanted to tell the story. Barbie, if anybody sits around and talks about it, all they can talk about is that identity politics part of it. Yeah. Because there's nothing else to it. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's boring. But yeah. all that to say, I had I absolutely had a ball watching it because I was in a theater full of tons of people who were laughing and clapping the whole time. And it was fun to laugh. It felt good. So I couldn't well, come away thinking it was a bad movie because of that. Now, what do you say to Clarence Moy, who uh, saw it at, in his neck of the woods, which is North Carolina, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody clapped. Nobody laughed. You know. Uh, mostly women but there wasn't any laughter and it was kind of like flat so I think uh, if you see it in a crowd of Barbie fans you're going to get that experience but remember that guy that review I sent you of that one guy on YouTube with the brown hair who said that nobody was laughing at any of the jokes and he saw it in a movie theater in LA so it's not only in the south or whatever that they're going to react to it's not only the right wingers who are going to not like this movie um there's just a certain kind of person that does love it i mean it's look if you have a cheerleading attitude going in in other words if you're a member of the gay community if you're trans if you're a progressive uh uh, you know woman um you're naturally gonna you know have a good time with it yeah i don't know that uh, clarence moy and his community in north carolina is necessarily a right-wing thing it's just no not 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 north carolina they're not it's not um but the, but I think I think that like for instance my niece I'm taking my two nieces to see it tomorrow, um, yeah. as part of the Barbenheimer thing we're gonna see both movies. What What are you seeing first? Barbie. Oh yeah. And then um, yeah. but she she was already talking about the clothes they were gonna wear, <laughs> the outfits they were gonna wear like like there's some thing, that's mm-hmm. that's passing through this community of young people that they all seem to know that they're supposed to dress up to go to Barbie. Like, I don't know Jet where... That, uh, Jet, my son, was at the Garden State Mall today with, with Kate and, and Sutton. And he says there's a lot of women roaming around in pink. He said, uh, it, it tells you there's something going on with Barbie. So. It really feels bigger than anything that I've ever seen and a little bit freaky, to tell you the truth. But but it isn't... I guess it isn't any different from the fandom stuff that... Um, mm-hmm that we see with like Lord of the Rings or whatever. Um, But I just, I don't see where this is being spread around because it's not on any of my social media feeds, Mm -hmm. but it's huge. I mean, it's almost a religion by now. 
And it made $70 million on its first day, which set a record, I think, for opening day box office numbers, maybe post COVID, I don't know. But can you imagine $70 million in one day? Uh, yeah, it's it, it's clearly there's there's fervor, there's major fervor out there. But uh, so it's going to wind up in the 150 range or more. Well, according to Deadline, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, who's our friend that writes on Deadline's box office? Um, you know, what's his name? Anthony uh, Alessandro. Yes, thank you. Uh, he says it's um, Barbie and Oppenheimer fu fueling mind blowing 300 million plus u.s box office and 465 million global um and he said that for um oppenheimer mm -hmm. it's unheard of for a rated r movie that's three hours long that isn't a branded thing mm -hmm. to make what they're estimating it and making this weekend which is um what 75 or something they're saying it's pegged for a 165 uh, global, but I think the the total for the U.S. would be. Oh, what does he say? I thought, thought I thought I read somewhere that it, he thought he was predicting 77 million for the. Mm -hmm. But That's Barbie. Good. Needless to say, Barbie's going to be just ridiculous. I mean, mm -hmm. the the money it's going to make. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive for Greta mm -hmm. Gerwig. Like that, that just doesn't happen for women directors. Um, and I will say this, and, and God, I probably get in a lot of trouble, mm -hmm. but like how much worse could it get for me and you? I mean, we've already been called every terrible name that exists under the sun, but I will say the following. Can it get, you're saying? Huh? How much worse can it get? Is that what you just yes. said? Yes. In terms of people calling you and me bad names for the things that we say and oh, think. Them. I mean, this is, I'm in the absolute right. I know what that film is. I, I gave it, you know, I think that Ben Shapiro's piece was was too, too uh, one-sided in, in in its negativity. He's not wrong in the things that he's saying about it, about the the uh, the male hating, male despising, but he's not being fair in saying that it's that it's peppy and zippy and 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 well constructed, and it has a tone and it's you know it's it it knows what it's doing, and it's a, and it's a good movie in that sense. Well, I don't think he feels that way. I don't. I'm what. I don't think he feels that way. No, he doesn't. He doesn't give it any uh, credit. And I, I think it's unfair to say, I mean, I despise it also. I despise what it's saying, but I, I, I can't call it a bad film. No, it's, me either. No way. Engaging. I could feel it was working with people. And I wasn't laughing. I, my mouth was open in astonishment. <laughs> oh, I laughed so hard. But I only laughed at uh -huh. the men. The women were not... <clears throat> The women were not funny. The women were boring and sad and one-dimensional. But the guys, like Michael, C Michael Sarah as um, Alan, was like probably the funniest thing I've seen on screen in years. I was laughing so hard at him, just his weird stare and his pants. Like that was a genius. So him and and Simu Liu. Just suffice it to say that. In Hollywood, money talks, and Greta Gerwig can pretty much write her own ticket after this, and good for her for that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's pretty. Make a Narnia movie? Do you want to see a Narnia movie? A Narnia movie by her? I, I can think of so many things I'd love to see her take a crack at. You know, make it if she were to say make a, a kind of an all about Eve type. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? 
you know? Yeah, all about Eve type. Absolutely. Let her loose. Smart cut, and everything. Cut her loose, you know? Let her make something funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I did think Ryan Gosling was funny, but only at the very end. Yep. Up until the all the stuff where he was doing all the other stuff, I didn't think was very... The, the surfing thing was kind of funny. Will Ferrell, not funny at all. None of the stuff in the real world was funny. None of it. And it could have been so much funnier. Um, you know, Ben Shapiro is pointing out that there is quite a few number of senior women on the Barbie Mattel Corporation, if you will. Are you saying thinking of Ben Shapiro or Critical Drinker? Cause... No, Ben Shapiro pointed out that on the actual board of directors of the people actually in charge of the whole Barbie empire, it's been the, the woman who created it and her, I guess, her daughter, plus those other women that are in, in charge. I mean, this is like a Kathy Kennedy operation. It's Yes, there are some men involved, but the movie will have you think that it's all guys, you know, running the, the Barbie empire, if you will. Right, kind of right, exactly. But you know what I think ultimately as I was writing about this, because I was trying to figure out what would, would the corporation's interest be in, in, in rebranding themselves like this, which is basically not as a kid's movie anymore, but as a Gen Z thing. And I think what it does is it gives people, um, it gives kids, white kids, the opportunity to play with Barbie again and not feel guilty about it. Because now, now that they've eliminated this whole, you're playing with a blonde Barbie complex, guilt complex, white supremacy and all that, by making Barbie this new character, it, it allows them to like Barbie again. And that that's important. But they had to do it through the woke allows thing. them to like Barbie again. They didn't yeah. like it before. Like I think the there was, before. I mean, if you if you watch the left lately, I know people personally who are like this. After 2020, they had this weird thing where they were all accused of being white feminists, of being... And none of them, people were getting canceled right and left, ending websites, ending businesses, getting fired and all that because they were being accused of being white feminists. And so it, it is, and all the critical race theory stuff in schools, it's so heady. It's being, it's being put on, you know, lots of pressure on them to, to you know, overcompensate and, mm -hmm. and be ashamed of themselves. And I think that for Barbie, Barbie is the iconic blonde doll. And, you know, I, I saw it on The View. Greta Gerwig was on The View and, and Sonny Hostin, her first thing was, well, they didn't have black Barbies when I was young. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it, it is getting a lot of heat that way. So it was important for them to rebrand for survival's sake. I can remember seeing black Barbies at least in the 80s, I think. Maybe even the late 70s. I remember being aware of that. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter if she's right or wrong. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know yeah. how people have been made to feel. And and every, like Little Mermaid has, you know, has to be a black woman, a, a young black girl so that yeah. Disney can, you know, absolve itself of its sins of privilege. Yeah. And so Barbie had to rebrand in that way. And they, and they, I think they were very successful at it. But yeah. all of that said, I agree with you that I couldn't hate this movie. Like, I just couldn't. I thought it was too funny and too charming in places mm -hmm. for me to hate it. I mean, I, Greta Gerwig's, I think her charm comes through this movie. I think it really does. And a lot of the lines of dialogue that are just very funny and well written, you know. Yeah. And you can't How deny that. Michael Sarah, by the way. How <laughs> was, uh, when was I don't that? know, but that was the funny. That was 06, right? Which one? 
Superbad, in which I oh. first became a fan of his. Superbad was, I believe, in 06. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm still laughing about him in that movie. Like, I've been laughing for, for like, since I saw oh, it. No, it's 07. I take it back. 07. Okay. Michael Sarah as Alan. <laughs> and just standing off to the side. <laughs> With and that there's look. no other Alans. Only one Alan. No, and... And he, he's so bitter and mad. Oh, it's so funny. I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. Here he is. He's uh, born in 1988. Oh, so he's Jethridge. Okay. Yeah. But his well, Alan was I... just a stroke of genius, I thought. I mean, like so, was, like little little things like that. I can't hate the movie. I can't hate the movie because of the her wonderful choreography and her big canvas dance numbers uh-huh. in the Ken thing, which I loved. You know, like little things like that, where I saw her flourishes, her genius, her idea. I was able to set aside the other part of it and just appreciate that part of it. You know, uh-huh. um, the man hating stuff I didn't like, but. Man hating stuff. The whole fucking movie is a man hating thing. It really is. Well, I, mean, I know, but I can not. There's not a. It doesn't like say. Well, there's some. Here's some interesting guys, and <laughs> say that maybe there's some. There's some. You know, some of them that are kind of okay because they're stable and they're mature and they're decent. That's. It's not there. It's all loathing. It's no, I know. And the other thing is they, they didn't... The whole movie. It was like they made a movie from 10 years ago or 20 years ago before The Great Awakening, where uh-huh. everything did change. After the Me Too movement, everything changed. After 2020, everything changed. Look yeah. at Disney. Look at what kind of movies Disney puts out now. Yeah. So And this movie exists outside of the culture wars in that way. Like It still believes that there's a real thing that the patriarchy hasn't allowed any woman in, like we don't have a black vice president in this country right now. And, you know, um, things have changed. Maybe not, you know, maybe white men are still totally in power and that's true. I'm not- You regard Kamala Harris as black? She's mixed. She's Indian. Her heritage is Indian with some uh, uh, Jamaican, I believe. She doesn't have much of a black vibe to me. I mean, I think she's both uh, mixed. She's black okay. and Asian, I think. Indian. Whatever. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Okay, fine. I, I, you know, like I'm just saying, like, you know, you can't. They can't keep pretending that they haven't completely reordered the power hierarchy. Yeah. In Hollywood. They can't keep pretending that it doesn't exist just yeah. to keep their, you know, this going. Um, I would have liked it better if they had taken the satire all the way through and, and a satirized the woke. That I think would have been that would have been thing. brilliant and amazing. I, I would have been I would have fallen backwards out of my chair if she Me had done too. that. Me too. Me really too. Delighted. I was just like, holy shit! I can't believe she did that. But of course, she doesn't. Do no, that. she couldn't. Like, and in fact, she she does exactly the opposite. She decenters yeah. the narrative on Barbie and gives it over to America right. Ferrera, America Ferrera's daughter. Yeah. The 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 trans Barbie, the Barbies of color. You know, everybody gets to come in and and be rest. You know, be the saviors because the white girl can't be the savior. Mm. She can't be the hero in her own story. She yeah. can't have a love story because then that's too, you know, uh, too stereotypical. So she doesn't have a love story. She can't save the day. He makes a point of saying that she really doesn't want to have any kind of thing with Ken at all. I mean, and he, Ken, has to learn you know, how to love himself and just be cool with himself. He doesn't have to have a, 
uh, a girlfriend that he stays over at her place. Well, or it's, a, it's no, but it's it's just a coming out story, as I told you. It's it's for 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 gay men that is a, you know, knowing who you are speech. You know who you really are. You don't have to pretend to be straight. You can be gay. It's well, you're. Fun. I know that Ken wears a rainbow sweater, and he's in your mind. He's a totally coming out but i'll tell you I, I didn't see that i'm not saying it's not there well any ask, me across the ask any young person okay my daughter i just asked her i didn't even tell her I asked her okay and she was like of course <laughs> oh of course because yeah, it's, it's obvious right that's the whole yeah, thing that's great okay okay yeah they're, they're, right. they're, well, they're... Um, so i'd like to read that portion uh that the thing i read to switch over to oppenheimer all right and I decided on this uh, this thing. I mean, the more I thought about, it, the more wimpy he sounds. I know that you're in love with the guy, and his, and he really got, you know, you felt very emotionally allied with him, and you felt great compassion for him. And felt, you know, I feel sorry for the poor guy at the end of the film when he is literally beaten up, and 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 um, they they take away his security clearance and they diminish him. They they basically the club says, okay. Uh, we have to punish you for not being strictly uh, and for associating with uh, with communists or your ex-lover who killed herself in the middle of the 40s. Uh, you know, that that's something you have to pay for. You know, all these things that he basically they ganged up on him and they beat the shit out of the poor guy. And I feel badly for him. But I think it's self-owned. I think he did that to himself. He made his own bed. And um, I didn't feel a great empathy with the guy overall the whole arc was basically you know i mean the movie could have been all kinds of things but it wasn't basically it's just a personal story about a uh, a brilliant fascinating guy who basically you know uh he was into the idea of the atom bomb he wanted very much to be the deliverer the maker because he saw it as a, as a great uh, weapon against germany which of course is you know, the, uh, murdering hundreds of thousands of, of Jews in concentration camps. I know that wasn't commonly known back in the 40s, but that was his idea. And he was motivated very strongly, right? You've read American Prometheus, so mm -hmm. you're, you're correct, right? I mean, that I am correct, rather, right? Right. Was it a thought that it was in his head? He wanted to be, he wanted to drop the bomb on Germany? Um, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than that. But yeah, I'm just saying that's where it began with him. Now, then then Germany didn't really work on a bomb and it, it was going for V2 rockets. And then they basically wound up losing the war anyway. And so the whole thing, the focus shifted not to Germany, but to Japan. And that was but he was already on the boat at that point. And he was already running the Manhattan Project. <clears throat> so, you know, they um, <clears throat> they used it on Japan. They didn't give a demonstration to Japan of the power of the thing. They just dropped it on Hiroshima and then Nagasaki. You know, but that he started out as, as wanting to uh, make life awful for the for Germany because that, that's what he wanted. That, that was his motivation because of he he felt a, a terrible cry of pain from God knows, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of Jews who went through hell during the 30s and 40s, particularly the 40s, I mean. Hmm. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I don't agree with you at all, but I, I appreciate. You don't it. agree with me? He didn't have. I that don't agree motivation. with any of your take, but remember the difference between you and me is I've read the book, so I'm bringing to this movie. That's why I asked you. You have read the book. Are you telling me that that's not in the book? 
Well, I know, but we're talking about the movie, right? We're talking about your relationship with this movie. The movie does acknowledge that he started out wanting to to drop a bomb and he wanted to punish Germany and and he wanted to beat them. He thought that they were doing... uh, Yes, that was part of it. That wasn't all of it. Yeah, I had to pull that out of you. I mean, no, I don't know what you want me to say. Do you want me to explain to you what really happened, or do you just want to be? Because it sounds to me like you have an opinion. Is his fervor for 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 an atomic device began with his wanting to uh, be a part of a decisive blow against? That that was only part of it. That was another side of it, though. A big part of it was. And, and you don't really seem to understand this because you're not a scientist type of person. You're not into science like I am. But okay. the scientists were racing to build for who could build the bomb first. And it was a huge scientific breakthrough to be able to take nuclear power and make a bomb like that. So a lot of it for Oppenheimer and for the other scientists involved was just about that, the technological advances. You have to take yourself back to the time when everybody's mind was being blown constantly by advances in science. Once they got religion out of the way and we went through the um, uh, revolution of science and, you know, in the late 1800s and psychology and science and all of that was happening. I mean, it was, it was, must've been a thrilling time to be living through to just all of a sudden, I mean, we take it for granted cause it's just everywhere, but you have to try to remember what it was like to be a physicist and to be a Jew. And if you're a Jew, you're never treated like a, um, you're not accepted. You're an outsider because you're Jewish always. So you're never given the kind of, except for Einstein, of course. Um, so a lot of it was him wanting to be great. He wanted to be, have a legacy. He wanted to be important. He wanted to have his name remembered. And so doing this was, you know, he was committed to it for that reason. For a guy who is very much a, um, a sort of a dreamer, uh, you know, reading poetry and kind of living in his mind and drifting around and drinking martinis and riding horses and, you uh-huh. know, he wasn't, he wasn't a hardcore military guy. He just that wasn't his personality, and it was very he was a very odd choice. You're, to, you're doing this fascinating uh, uh, recap of who he was, and you've really yeah. got into that. But, but yes, the the, the, the bottom the, line is once he got hot, once Leslie Groves brought yeah. him along to the Manhattan Project, he was committed, along with all the other scientists, to build a bomb before Hitler could. Right. Okay. Because the idea of stepping away and not doing it meant that you had this fear that Hitler would get there first. Right. And then the fear switched to Stalin after the war but you know the being in that machine in that war machine as he was you know it gave him power but as as this this is pointed out in the movie beautifully you know you lose your power once you're in there because they're going to use you you are now part of the weapons weapon machine and you are you are you are uh, disposable once Mm. they're done with you and you become a problem for them. He didn't really have any power. Um, he he was just. Oppenheimer. A, you just said that Oppenheimer didn't have any power. No. Okay. Obviously, if he had had power, they wouldn't. Her have, name Oppenheimer is synonymous with power, with atomic not power. Not power. No. Well, yes, and atomic power. 
I'm saying he has a top. I don't know why we're having this argument. It seems like such a weird thing to be arguing about. But no, if he had power, then Truman wouldn't have called him a crybaby and kicked him out of his office. If he had power, they wouldn't have called him a, a, a traitor and taken away his security clearance. He did it to himself. He said, I don't approve of the H-bomb. I approve of the atom bomb, but not the H-bomb. Do you see a contradiction there? I do. Do you think that they persecuted him because of that? Oh, now you're going to tell me that. No, I, I'm good. telling you, is that what, is that what Jennifer Graham, Granholm just vacated his charges in 2022 over? Is that what you think that they charged him with? It isn't. They charged him with communism. They charged him with being a spy. Okay, that's what happened to Oppenheimer. They didn't. They didn't have any. uh, uh, All the testimony in the film doesn't support that he was a communist or that he had that he was funneling information. They're they're implying he might have, and that people he was. The reason that they revoked his security clearance was because they said that they couldn't trust him as a patriot. Because they believed he would be selling secrets to the Soviets. Yeah. That is one of the worst and lowest things that they could have done because that wasn't who he was. Yeah. So whatever you want to say about it, that's what that was. That was McCarthyism. Yeah, that was. Okay. 1954, the very height of it was was awful. Yeah. And that's what happened to him. And they chewed him up and spit him out. And they are the ones who have to bear the guilt of that, not him. He did the right thing. He held on to his integrity. And that's mm-hmm. all you can do in a situation like that or like the one we're in now. All you can do is hold on to your principles. You can't sell yourself out when they're coming after you, you know. I didn't feel at the end of the day that it was as interesting a film as it might have been if they had engaged with what actually happened during the war. People, I mean, a war is a pretty significant thing. And it basically is almost like a, a something was going on going on outside of the realm that he was living in and creating in. Uh, I mean, yes, there's a war going on. Yes, of course. And uh, tens of thousands, a couple hundred thousand people were murdered. Oh, yes, that's right. That did happen, didn't it? Yeah. But I, I read about it on the, I heard, I saw the newsreels. It's almost like it wasn't mm-hmm. really part of the real d- dynamic. And I was just, Well, maybe that's how people really felt back then, weirdly enough. Um, you know, we have, we, we, during the war in Iraq, that didn't really touch much of our reality here in america we didn't really i mean people were protesting it but it wasn't like we thought about it every single day and night and Mm -hmm. so you maybe people were distancing themselves from it the press was very different they could only get it um from the news at night or on the newspaper it wasn't all around them all the time they had people who were going off to war and dying the parents of children who did not want their kids to go to war were pressuring the government to end the war you know, but it's different from the world we live in now where we have news around us all the time and information all around us. It was just a different kind of reality. And they were sequestered off in New Mexico. Um, the book, I will say that the book does bring up the war a lot more than the movie does. But um, but what he was doing, which I think is beautiful, is he was just keeping it inside of Oppenheimer's head. The whole time it was just it was it was an, an emotional impressionistic film which as you just don't see that on the big screen as a summer blockbuster it just doesn't happen that's what's mm-hmm. so shocking about it you right. know you see it a lot in little indie movies you know but you don't see it on this level of a hundred million dollar movie 
that is on IMAX, like a, a, a movie that's like an art movie, basically, that um, is just an impression of some a poetic look at the inner life of a scientist like him. Um, I thought that was amazing, especially how he did Trinity. Like, I didn't think it was going to be like that. I thought it would be sensational. And it wasn't. It wasn't sensational. It was it was um, different than that. It was um, more intimate and more terrifying than it was than it was spectacular. Uh, is there anybody in that film that you actually identified with and cared about other than Killian Murphy's? Um, yeah, I, I, I actually very much responded emotionally to Robert Downey Jr.'s character. He's a villain. What are you doing? What do you mean you responded to him? I didn't think he was a villain. I mean, he was he was jealous and vindictive and a jerk, but the look on his face as an actor when he called him a shoe salesman or whatever, just, just very moving. I didn't identify with him, but it was moving to me. Um, okay. But unlike you, I didn't let Owen Gleiberman and Ehrlich get into my head before I saw the movie. <laughs> Thank God, because I was able to enjoy it without people, you know, bringing me down. Um, and I don't like having people's, you know, like, for instance, if I had seen Barbie after reading Critical Drinkers review or listening to it, I might not have liked it as much. You know, I might have said, you know, he has a good point. I don't like this movie. You He's know? not making a point. He's just saying this is what it is. I mean, let's be honest. Come on. He's not it's not his point of view. It's obvious. I mean, it's like um, I mean, I, I, I there's no question about the thrust of what it's saying about half of the population on this planet. It's like astonishing. It's like, you know, it's almost breathtaking, the, the vitriol and the, and the and the the meanness and the despising. It's, you know. Yeah, he's, it's know. a very, <laughs> it's a very angry, uh, a very angry review. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, I, I, um, I, 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 I get what they're saying, these guys, because they are so freaked out by what's happened in our culture now and the woke stuff taking over movies. Um, it is exactly what the communist hunters sought to prevent, you know, yeah. that they didn't want this kind of Marxist indoctrination in our culture. People like Eisenhower and McCarthy and those guys, they did not want it. Truman and FDR, they want to keep adhere to the American principles, not, yeah. Yeah. not this equity thing that's going on. Um, and Can so I switch to a topic about the uh, strike? Um, yes, please. Uh, uh, what do you think, uh, if you were um, running Telluride, if you were in Julie's shoes and you suddenly had no tribute to uh, to an actor or actress, you know, have a special tribute, they do it every year. I'm, I understand, by the way, that the tribute was going to be for Annette Benning. Oh. She's playing that, that swimmer who was... Um, mm -hmm. It, you know, did a pretty amazing naiad. Yeah, naiad. And she, one of the one of the things that she did was swim from. Is it Bermuda? No, from the from that. Oh yeah, uh, from Cuba to Key West, I think it was. And um, oh right, she's an older woman. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, that's pretty pretty it's pretty spectacular, pretty amazing. But I was just kind of wondering about uh, this is a detour, but. One of the things that she did was she did it without a shark cage, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's about 90 miles. It's a, it's a lot, obviously. But can I just explain to me what is so great about 
swimming that distance, which I completely bow down to. But what is so great about doing it without a shark? And why is it a better or more noble or more exciting achievement if you do it with the risk of being attacked by a shark? I don't get it. Um, I don't know. But did you know that Jodie Foster also stars in? Oh, this is Netflix. Jodie Foster's in it with her. Uh, okay. Netflix. It says starring Jodie Foster, Annette Benning. The okay. film is based on the true story of a 64-year-old marathon swimmer. God, right. I wish I could be a marathon swimmer. Mm. Attempting to make the audacious feat of swimming from Cuba to Florida. But 100 right. miles of open ocean aren't the only obstacle in her way. She must brave shark-infested waters without a shark cage to reach her goal. What's the... What's the that, that's kind of stupid, isn't it? Why, why not just protect yourself? What, mm. just, it's the, the, what matters is the is being able to do it and, and using your all your strength and all that will and determination. And, you know, we, we all take our hats off and, and bow down. But what's where's the brilliance or where's the the upside in, in being in risking being attacked by by predators? I don't get that. Well, there's, you know, all. adventurers, right? They always have to up the ante. So you have um, free solo. He climbs without ropes. You have yeah. people who want to go up to Mount Everest without uh -huh. oxygen tanks like yeah i think just bring the oxygen why would you want to be stuck up on mount everest without an oxygen tank but people do it you know because they like the high risk mm -hmm. um extreme sports is that mentality extreme sports to to yeah. uh to stand out you know right. what's odd about this is that it's a, a it's a um, scripted movie and not a documentary yeah right yeah. By the people who usually play her best friend or her manager or something or I'm, was... I'm guessing lover. <laughs> oh, okay, fine, great. Okay. Because nothing ever gets made anymore unless there's right. a there's a gay storyline. Yeah, that makes sense. But I don't know. It doesn't say so here, so I have yeah. no idea. I have to look it up. Um, right. Let me look. Diane Nyad, uh, Wikipedia. Right. Um, let me just quickly look here. Uh, personal life. Um personal life mm -hmm. Nyad is openly lesbian <laughs> okay very good here we go all right so that's that's something to look forward to although it's just going to be basically another you go girl movie and uh, you go you know lesbian woman that's great we love it okay that's fine. <laughs> she was inducted into the national gay and lesbian sports hall of fame so are we going to get a a nice um woman on woman kiss with jodie foster and Wait, so this is the second lesbian Annette Benning has been playing because remember she was in a movie I love, which is The Kids Are All Right. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good actually. Very good. I loved her character in that. Still one of my favorite movies. Right, right. Um, Here was that fourteen, twenty, maybe twenty ten, something like that. I don't oh, know. Far back. Okay. I don't know, yeah. but but um yeah so i guess <laughs> i guess jodie foster is the is the uh the girlfriend it doesn't say so here but um okay hey so if you were julie what would you do i mean you the 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 i don't think that uh telluride is the, i think it's probably the least vulnerable of the fall festivals because it doesn't have and or need or want a red carpet atmosphere with paparazzi and photos and everything and um uh but you still you, you it's basically a pure movie thing and there's going to be a, uh, I guess, I don't know if there are certain European actors are part of SAG or they have to honor it or if maybe they don't, if they're not part of SAG after, I don't know. But, but there's a, it's a different type of festival, that's for sure. God, I'll say. 
It's going and taking also, us back to the. You know that, did you see also what Jordan was picking up on what Ann Thompson and they they believe that um, yeah. that uh, the uh, 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 Bernstein movie uh, uh, Maestro is going to go to New York. I was heartbroken by that. I thought that was going to be a Telluride thing for sure. You know. Oh, well, that's going to New York and. What, did you know this or you're just going by the No, I don't know. I don't know anything. Um, I would be really worried about putting a movie out without the red carpet at Venice. Um, there's no point in going to Venice unless you have stars you can showcase on the red carpet. Uh, yeah. So I don't blame uh, Luca Guadagnino for taking that away when you've got Zendaya, who's gorgeous on the carpet. Right. You don't want to pull that. It's like your best selling point is this beautiful woman, fashion icon, yeah. you know, walking the red carpet. I mean, <laughs> take that away. And, you know, what is he just going to show you? Yeah, someone reviewed this movie. No one's going to care. But the stars are brought out for publicity, you know, to draw attention to the movie. Sure. So New York is less so about that. But Venice most definitely is. Well, New York does have a, a celebrity, you know, blue or red carpet thing next to Alice Tully Hall. I mean, it I know, is but it's of... it's not like Cannes and Venice when it comes to those. No, it's not. You're right. Those those are big worldwide events, fashion events. Their pictures right. are splashed everywhere, mm -hmm. and that's huge publicity for a movie. Right. Um, I feel like we're heading into another COVID season. Of... It is COVID like it. It feels like it's not quite. Like 20, obviously 20 of the Telluride was canceled, mm. but this is like 21. You know, people mm -hmm. are not quite sure, and it's like, right? Because so COVID and wasn't really, well, yeah. actually COVID was over as of the fall of 21, pretty much. So. I definitely support um, the strike, but I do feel like it's frustrating that they just Hollywood is just starting to get its footing back. Yeah, and I just wonder how what this is going to do is does this mean like if the strike continues through Oscar season we're not going to have an Oscars you can't have Oscars without actors participating and you can't have Oscars without writers participating writing it it's not going to happen so does that mean they're going to cancel the Oscars alright I'm sending you a oh. picture right now of <clears throat> that was my fear they're going to cancel the Oscars. And obviously for me, that's my whole income, right? Yeah. So yeah. my whole income will go away for the for the year. But I'm not going to sit here and complain because I know that they're fighting for, you know, for their rights. And fine, I understand that. They have to show that they have leverage. It's the uh, studio heads. They're the bastards who, who won't. Uh, I don't know if they're talking to them, but they are real bastards. To, yeah, to I mean, I'm. Like, definitely pro worker you know i i think they should work out a deal with them i don't think this is it's right to yeah. to not pay them for streaming you know yeah anyway there's a picture of dyad with annette bedding jodie foster and apparently i guess the other the girlfriend yeah look at jodie foster in that picture i mean she's old and does she look old in that she doesn't does well, she? she she looks early 60-ish no yeah. come on in that picture she, she doesn't look young. What do you think she looks like? She doesn't look 45. She looks like, you know, she, I mean, she's she's letting some gray hair pop through. And she's not trying to, to be aggressively, uh, like, you know, younger looking. You know? I think she looks 35 in that picture. picture. Oh, please, Sasha. That's completely not, uh, that's not real. Come on. Uh. I mean, she's, she's not letting, 
I mean, uh, if you look at that picture of uh, Annette Benning, she's got her hair colored in a nice way, and the the uh, I guess it's the girlfriend. She looks really uh, good too, Annette Benning. God. Yeah, she looks good. All right, I'm sending you a couple more, mm-hmm. and you'll see that. Um, mm-hmm. Jodie Foster, you know these both these women, Jodie Foster and Annette Benning, look really good for their age, their bodies and everything. Um, they're very well kept women. Yeah, they look. They look very healthy and they look like they're in good places yes they'd really do i wonder what they're i mean they must exercise right i mean well let's not go overboard here <laughs> they look fine they look great they look happy they look uh, let's not don't, go. Uh, you know they're not you know astonishing looking you know <laughs> oh you're funny i like annette benning's hair yeah, well, she's always she's been wearing Page Boy for how long? Yeah, Since the '90s at least, right? Look, she's Has got she the she's got the Birkenstock. She's Never. wearing the Birkenstocks from the Barbie movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff's favorite shoe on a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. You're not a fan of the Birkenstock. Not uh, not on me. I can tell you that, and I'm um, the only the only like health. A uh, nice or comfortable shoe that I that I kind of like is um, is Merrell's. I like those because they're very very comfortable, but they're a little more nicer looking than Birkenstocks. I'm trying to figure out what Jodie Foster's sweatshirt is. That symbol, I know that logo. Yeah, it's it's to... like a uh, a mountain climbing or a, it's one of those uh, uh, you know sports oriented. Um, so those photos it's... are from Diane Nyad's Medium page. Okay. Which, if you want me to send it to you, I can. Okay. I don't know if you care or not, but. Um... So, what do you think? Um, uh, what would you do if you were Julie to to do? You know, would you? Uh, do you think they're going to pull movies from? Uh, you know, I mean, she, I guess she was thinking about maybe showing Lucas film too. He's going to yank it out of there too, right? Is that the idea? I guess they're going to not um... open. Lucas tennis film this year. I think everybody's praying. I think they're waiting with bated breath and they're praying because they know that this is a disaster for yeah. them. It's also a disaster for Telluride because Telluride didn't really have any movies to begin with. It was looking like, um, and so this just adds insult to injury, and it's it's really going to hurt Toronto. Oh yeah, definitely Toronto and Venice, absolutely. You know, like Toronto will just shut down. And I know that the film critics going there are going to like it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, because it's less of a fuss and you're just seeing the the pure movie or whatever. But but the whole point is, is a big publicity event, you know. Yeah. So if you don't have that anymore, then, then I don't know what you do. So I don't have any advice for her. I, I just, I have this dreaded feeling it's going to be canceled, just like with COVID. They're going to cancel Telluride? I have a feeling that it might. No, it's the 50th anniversary. They can't. They can't cancel it. Oh, they can't. They can't. You're right. It's, not, it's the least affected, threatened festival of the early fall festivals. They're all going to be affected by this. But Telluride is not about paparazzi and pictures and red carpets. It's about the the religion, the, the faith, the, 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 you know, the spirituality of film. Hmm. It's not a thing that that has to have celebrities there. I mean, yes, that means that there's not going to be celebrities at the uh, 
at the at the at the brunch, the uh, the opening day brunch, but that's okay. It's all right with me, you know. Um, I think it'll be more collegial in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid of the films generally being pulled. I mean, I thought that maybe there was a chance of of possibly the Ridley Scott film going that that would be great you know or or uh, and i really really was hoping that um, maestro would show up there and, and apparently that what the thompson is saying is no it's going to be a new york thing god that's a drag man you know i feel badly about that well i don't know but you know i know that they were going to take david fincher's the killer um to venice but are they really going to take it there now knowing that they can't bring I, michael fassbender and you know they're not yeah i imagine not so what does that mean? They they postpone it till next year. It's just a it's just a uh, it's it's quiet. Well, wait a minute. The, the killer is going to be at uh, like all next at Netflix films. I'm sure that they are contractually bound to give it a good, sturdy, uh, theatrical debut before it goes to Netflix streaming. So I don't know how many weeks that they had uh, arranged with David Fincher, but I'm sure he's he wanted them to have it in theaters only for a good. I'm guessing, well, I yeah. mean, what I mean is that by taking you don't take your movie to Venice for any reason except publicity. Yeah. Especially right. if you're Netflix. Yeah. You know, you take it you take it there if you are, you know, you want to show it off. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I found the logo. There it is. Yeah. It just frustrated me so much, but um, I'm trying to find the brand that uses it. Isn't isn't it a, a boot for climbing or? something to do with outdoor uh-huh. activity isn't it i don't know i found the graphic but i'm trying now i have to try to figure out what the what the brand is um so you i don't know why i care but to wait while you find a photo <laughs> sorry no you don't we can keep talking i'm just telling you that <clears throat> this is my frustration right. i'm just trying to figure it out mm-hmm. um because you know how once you get a, a thing in your mind you can't really let it go until you figure it out mm-hmm. um so no, Jeff. I'm thinking it's a drag, personally, that this is happening. But I, I but I don't really know, you know, well, what to do about it. Uh, no, I'm asking you, what would you do about it? What would you try to do to give some energy to a much beloved film festival like Telluride? I know that you can't control the strike, but you got to do something other than just say, well, I guess we're not going to have any celebrities this year. But here are the movies. I would try and come up with some ideas. I don't know what ideas, but I'd try but, to come up but with But with a strike, there's nothing they can do. I mean, they can't even do Zoom. Yeah, They, that's they right. can't show that's up right. with a mask. They can't do anything like that. I right. mean, unless they give them special permission to go to film festivals. But I don't think they will because they can't give an inch. If they give an inch, then they lose their leverage. Yes, the, the studios will say, well, we can give, a, give them to... The, if they yeah. see any, uh, uh, you know, if they ease up on their hardcore thing, mm-hmm. the studios will just cruelly use that as a as a cudgel to beat them with. And yeah, right, they, they can't. Know. And if they do that, then they know we've got them. Yeah, because they they need us more than we need them. Um, but oh, it's seeing actors and writers. Well, I just mean that, you know, the studio people. They're all rich and you know wealthy beyond all imaginings they know actors are replaceable especially now that there are no stars anymore uh you know the star system has 
collapsed. I think that's <clears throat> one of the reasons why they have to strike is because they don't have the power that they used to have. Right. You know. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm going to send you a picture from. Well, you, if if you were Julie, uh, <laughs> you would just say, "Okay, throw in the towel. We're fucked." You know, let's. Uh, I think can't... what they're doing right now is they're waiting and seeing. They're hoping that it ends. You know. Um, I, that's what. That's the only thing I can think of. Is that they're hoping that it ends and that they're not really planning for what they'll do if there's a strike. I'm just sending you a picture of getting it. Images of the girls dressing up in their Barbie outfits. What girls? These slutty girls. <laughs> Sorry to say. <laughs> when it comes to your text, you have to look at it. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I, it? Um, 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 I think that's great. Um, pink thing going on uh, above and beyond people going to the movie. There's a, there's a uh, strange passion for dressing up in pink. Regardless yeah. of being at the film, is that what you're Well, I, I will say this, and I'm just going to say it I, and, and offer it to you with no commentary on it, because yeah. you know we're living in a time when saying the truth is very dangerous, and people will call you all kinds of horrible names, and nobody wants to talk about the truth. Yeah. Everybody wants to pretend reality is different. But I will say this: there is something about a blonde movie star that's part of a brand that looks as pretty as Margot Robbie mm -hmm. that all these girls want to identify with and be part of. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when they try to wokeify a movie like this and they try to put in a different kind of person, I'm not uh -huh. even just saying a person of color. Yeah. I'm just saying anybody that isn't a pretty idyllic blonde like her, that's part of a Barbie franchise. You know, there's this, I was noticing that the Barbenheimer memes between Oppenheimer and Barbie that look so retro, it's almost like the people were hungering, craving this traditional looking thing of like a man and a woman, a man who looks like a man and a woman who looks like a woman. Yeah. And, you know, the pink and the feminine of Barbie and the masculine world of Oppenheimer. I'm not saying he is particularly, but just yeah. this idea of a 50s man and a very feminine woman it's something that's unusual to young people because they don't see it very much anymore yeah, yeah and i feel like they're craving it and so i think there's a lot of women out there that just want to be women without having the pressure of having right. to be everything else you know yeah incidentally speaking of real manhood in oppenheimer i did not i think there's a consensus already this is uh on saturday the, the film has been playing since thursday night that Chris Nolan is just not good at sex scenes, and he doesn't have, a, you know, his, I didn't believe anything uh, in terms of the sexuality of, of J. Robert Oppenheimer, and I thought there is some uh, somewhat strong nudity, uh, suggested nudity between he and... and um, Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, but it's not, I didn't believe any of it. I just, you know, I just looked at, Killian Murphy. I said, this, I don't. I don't know what. I, I know that he had an affair with the actual woman who was a, a Communist Party member who wound up committing suicide in '43 or '44. But I don't. 
I didn't believe it. I just thought, well, this is... Well, she either committed suicide or she was murdered by the FBI. It's one of the two. And if you notice, he filmed it that way. He filmed it two ways. He shows her kidding herself, and then he shows a gloved hand, a mysterious gloved hand slowly moving away from her. Because mm -hmm. in the book, he, nobody knows for sure what happened. That She was drugged in a way that a lot of people who are murdered by the mob or by the government would would be drugged and then drowned. Because she was she was in water, right? She was drowned or something. She was she was drowned in a way that if you're committing suicide, you don't really do kneeling before a tub and putting your head in the water. Like, yeah, yeah. that's a very unusual way to kill yourself. Mm -hmm. And so there has been speculation for a very long time. And it's written about in this book that it was the mob because she was a communist, a known communist. He wasn't. But they, it was at the time when he was building the bomb and they just couldn't risk it. It was right. a fog of war thing. You know, where they really, yeah. really were scared that Hitler was going to get the bomb or something. Right. Right. So <clears throat> um, do I agree about the sex scenes? I, I agree that they were sanitized um, in a way that didn't feel erotic. But I what I liked about it was that they were cinematic in a way that that showed what he, his intention was, which was to show what Robert Oppenheimer is seeing and remembering in his mind's eye. And so that worked for me in that way. He was he okay. he was showing him what Robert Oppenheimer remembers about Gene Tatlock, and he remembers the sex between them. All right, I'm not going to talk about Florence Pugh, but I, uh, I didn't <laughs> you go it. ahead, go ahead, talk about it. I'm fine with it. Look, I already said the thing about the blonde her hero heroine, so you might as well talk about it. You find her? No, you're just. That I know it's probably just crosses the line. That doesn't ring the bell with me at all. She's um, she's uh, very short. She's she's roundish. Uh, she has a moon face. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. I mean, I, if there's going to be a, a a sexual scene of some sort, she's a fascinating actress. There's no question that, I, that she's really got the, the chops. But I I just don't. Uh, you know, I was just kind of kind of dismissing or not being particularly interested. The idea that she and uh, Killian Murphy were had a sexual affair going, I just thought, oh, okay, well, didn't I don't do anything know. to me. I, yeah. I thought it was dreamy. The everything about it was dreamy. The music, yeah. you know, her, her, the way she talked, her voice. She's just a very, you know, in real life, she was she was gay, right? She was um, either bisexual or just a straight up lesbian. And why was she having an affair with? But she up. she was in love with him, and that's why he says the line, "I know I, we both know I'm not what you want." Um, in the book, uh, if you go to her Wikipedia now and you look at it, they'll say in the Wikipedia, which I don't agree with because it's not definitive. They'll say that they think she they she killed herself because of her gayness, which I do not agree with at all. It doesn't comport with anything that she was very depressed. She had emotional problems, but it wasn't all just centered on her sexuality because. Back then, in the Bohemian days, there was nothing wrong with being either gay or bi. Right. So she wouldn't have necessarily been tortured. She loved him, but she also loved women. And I think Florence Pugh did a good job of playing that kind of a person, personally. Did they, why don't they show her with a girlfriend then? Yeah, he doesn't touch that. He doesn't. It's not in the movie as much. It's hinted at, but it's not shown. <sighs> All right. Yeah. But that's a big part of who she is. That's why she's kind of masculine seeming. Well, you know, I'm now that I've done the magnificent IMAX experience and I was quite happy that I was there in the third row 
looking way up to the top. Yeah, I know, dude. That might be too close, man. Huh? That might be too close. You might need to see it stepped back a bit. That's what I'm going to do next time. I'm going to go to it and see it with uh, uh, a, a sensible size screen. And, you know, uh, I've now that I've seen the uh, every now and then, it's not often, but it's it's just kind of every now and then when he's shooting outdoors in particular, there's the one four three to one aspect ratio, which I absolutely in love with. And uh, now that I've seen it, <clears throat> I'm going to um, see it at a somewhat smaller theater and be able to move my legs a little bit more because I was in agony yeah. because of that that the seating. I mean, really, there's no. I, place I bet. I bet. I um. I'm going to see it. We're doing Barbenheimer, my niece and I, yeah. and we're going to see Barbie first, and then Oppenheimer at six thirty. Right. But um. How much of a break do you have between the two films? One, two, three, four, five. Maybe an hour and a half, two hours, oh. something like that. But um, she really wanted to do the Barbenheimer because that's what all of her generation is doing. Right. But uh, for that, I've got really close IMAX seats, so I'm that's going to be a drag because it's too close. Um, okay. But then what, I want what to. What are you in? What what's what's the row? Literally like the third row. <laughs> like, See, because that's all that was left. I mean, it's sold out everywhere. But I know. Um, be specific. Is it row C? I'm asking you. I think it's row C. Yeah. That's exactly where I was. Yeah. No, it's it's a nightmare. But okay. what I'm going to do is after I see it this time, I'm going to go myself during the week when it when the crowds die down up to real IMAX up in City Walk and and get myself a perfect seat and see it one last time. Okay. In perfect IMAX to see what the difference are and then I'll rate all three of the ways that I watched it. Okay. To see, you know, if I can tell a difference. Um, I felt when I was watching it on the fake IMAX that I was losing a lot of stuff. I could tell that it wasn't visually as strong as it would have been. Okay. But um, but I, I really want to see it. Plus, the thing I love about that movie is the score. So I don't really mind sitting through it again just because the music is so beautiful. If you don't mind me saying, uh, uh, Lucas Gorison, his name is, the composer. It quite It's quite... Um, it hammers it hammers away at you and and really hits you uh, a lot it's like very uh almost percussive it's like first man score it's very similar to that yeah i thought very similar that's probably why i loved the movie so much i love i listen to the first man score all the time when i'm writing um and i'm gonna probably listen to this one a lot too it's just my kind of music um but you know i'm not really looking forward to seeing barbie again to tell you the truth because it's such a I don't know it left me with a weird feeling I can't really explain and it's not because of what critical drinker said or anything there's mm -hmm. just something about it that felt weird to me and sad mm -hmm. like saying goodbye to something I don't like that she leaves Barbie land <laughs> that's the whole idea I know but why would they make Barbie leave? why does Barbie have to leave unless the sequel is going to be Barbie like being in real life or something that's why I mentioned the Purple Rose of Cairo, which is a, I think, a much more moving uh, and uh, heart melting uh, uh, play upon that idea of the fantasy character who doesn't have an actual re biological reality uh, visiting the real world. I thought that was a much more affecting, uh, you know, and it makes me want to see it again, actually. Yeah, me too. That and um, any movie like Pinocchio or whatever, um, 
because mm-hmm. he becomes a real boy. But this is different. The Geppetto and, and the little puppet, like that was a whole different story. That's not Barbie. Barbie mm-hmm. is, you know, in Barbie world. And this idea that Barbie world is this weird place, you know, this weird, creepy place, which it is. It's creepy because mm-hmm. the men are, you know, there's no end point. Like, it's just a sad place that she has to leave Barbie world because it's sad. And it reminded me that, like, our culture is sad, too. Because mm-hmm. it's like Barbie world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so it just, there's something about it that, however, all of that said, it's still a fun movie to watch just visually. I think she did a really good job with that. Very imaginative. I think it really showed her talent yeah. and her visual style, which I never saw before. And she's got it. And that makes me excited to see what she does moving forward. And I hope she keeps moving in this direction and away from the indie ladybird direction. I hope she keeps going as a big canvas visual director. And I'm very excited to see what she does next. And listen, so you she, don't like the idea of her doing All About Eve or something like that. Oh, no, All About Eve would be great. Oh, no, I'd you be... You just said you don't want her to go in the indie direction. Well, that's not indie. All About Eve was a very big Hollywood movie. It was big, stylized. Not really. It's a, it's just, you know, interiors, dialogue. Yeah, uh, but it was a big okay. studio film. It wasn't, you know, navel-gazing navel grunge like all this indie stuff that we have to sit through. Okay. Um, but I, you know, and, and I like that Greta Gerwig is moving in this direction. I hope she keeps moving in this direction. And I know, and listen, this woman made this movie while she was pregnant with and having her second baby. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah. And she's got um, two boys. So it's two, like, two sons. yeah. Look, mm-hmm. look at this. Let's go watch the movie mommy made. Yeah. Let's all go sit down and watch it. The movie yeah. about the Barbies. I mean, can you imagine? So, It'll think into them what the movie is really about when they're maybe eight or nine or ten or something. They're like going to be in their therapist's office and they're going to go, my mom <laughs> made that movie Barbie and you can understand yeah. why I'm having these problems. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I don't think Greta Gerwig is like that. I'm just joking. Mm-hmm. But um, but I hope that she I hope she uh, jettisons the woke stuff in what she does next. I really, really do. As I hope every artist jettisons it it's dead narratively mm-hmm. okay um, i know we've been talking a super long time yeah. nobody's yeah. going to have listened to this thing unless i cut it way down well it's only an hour and 19 minutes that's not, not too so bad not so bad we've gone longer than that that's for sure yeah, yeah. okay all right well, probably speaking as usual and i'll yeah. um and i'd like to hear what your uh, uh family outing is like I will. I'll tell you all about it and see how it goes. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll let you know how the. I, I, did you see the real IMAX when you were in the third row? Was yeah. It, was it real IMAX or fake IMAX? No, it's the biggest theater at Lincoln Square. It's 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 real. Sure. Okay, because I'm I, I, mine is fake IMAX, so it might not be as unbearable as yours is. Was it might so, not be as bad? So you've seen fake. You're going to fake at IMAX twice. Well, I can't. I can't see it at the real IMAX because there's no seats. No, yeah, I hear it. Yeah. No, it's completely sold out for days. It's sold out. Oh. Okay. So you know, okay. it was, I thought it was funny that both movies got an A from CinemaScore. All right. Because it's Barbie Heimer. You know that both movies got A. I mean, obviously Barbie's kicking this movie's ass at the box office, like. Oh, but okay. it's nice to see a movie like Oppenheimer doing well. That apparently it's oh I sent you that thing. It's the highest 
cinema score he's ever gotten, Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. That's nice to see, you know. Just in time for the writer's strike. Just yeah. In, just in time for Hollywood to collapse yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I mean, the writers and actors strike, right. of course. All right. Okay. Ha. All right. Well, enjoy your weekend. The rest yeah, of you it. Too. All right. Talk to you later. Take Bye. care. Bye.